Hi and welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Uh, the episodes are coming fast and furious now. Um, just before we get into today's guest, uh, I invite you to subscribe to the channel by searching Shaky Sports Journeys. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. So if you like the visual effect, YouTube. If you like the audio effect, you've got plenty of platforms to use. We'll be speaking with cricketers, rugby players, football players, other elite sports as well. Lots of different stories, as well as now branching out and speaking to people from different communities um, who help and do stuff for the local communities that are inspiring. Um, and obviously, it's, a, it's an ongoing discussion on the channel of chatting about mental health and the importance of it and looking after it. Today's guest. This is a really, really special episode for me. I'm very inspired by this young lady. Um, she's, uh, I, I came across her about seven or eight years ago. She was doing a photo shoot with, I think, with Majid Huck and Richard Barrington at the time. And what stood out to me was that she was uh, wearing the hijab, mashallah. So it's a real pleasure today to welcome to the podcast Scotland international cricketer, Abdaha Maksud. Asalaamu Alaikum, how are you? Waalaikum Salaam, good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very, very well. Pleasure to have you on the show. We've been trying to get this booked in for a while. You had your brother's wedding. Um, yep. You're busy with university, you know, lockdown and just different, different things. But you've shown a lot of patience and uh, we, 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 got, we, got there, we got there in the end. So what I want to do today is take you on a bit of a roller coaster, you know, chatting about your journey, taking you through life. And I'm going to start right back at the start. So get your mind open and try to think about the the past rather than the present and the future and um, we'll start by asking you tell me a little bit about your childhood your family background where you grew up go for it okay so I was born and raised in Glasgow I lived here all my life um, my parents are from uh, Pakistan in Lahore um, oh brilliant fellow Lahori are you from Laura as well? Yeah, um, they're both from there. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, there's not really much to it. They both kind of love cricket. My dad, obviously, he's a fanatic. It's in his blood. It's the reason why I love it so much. Um, growing up, uh, so I've got an older brother, a younger brother, and a little sister. So we all kind of play cricket. Um, but yeah, growing up, we used to play a lot in the front garden, me, my brother, my dad, uh, my little brother, and then obviously when my little sister was born, her as well. Um, yeah, so it's just very much a cricket-orientated family from the very start. Um, and then when I was, I think I was about 11, um, I started to kind of nag my parents to get me into a cricket club. Um, and they honestly, they had no idea uh, where to go about finding a cricket club or anything like that. Um, yeah. But they finally found one and they actually told me at the time that there was a women's team there. They were like, oh yeah, there's a huge women's team. You're, you're going to love it. Um, obviously, I, I don't know if they lied to me or what, just to make me feel a lot less scared about the whole thing. But I went there and obviously there was only me and a bunch <laughs> of guys. Um, but it worked, to be fair. I went and I was a little less scared and stuff. Um, Where so was that, that after? What club was that then? Uh, so that's Pollock Cricket Club. Um, so I've been there for my whole life, basically. Um, and yeah, so I was about 11. I walked into like a junior training session and it was 
luckily I had my brother with me as well so that kind of like eased my, my, me a little bit more but um it was quite awkward I'm not gonna lie um it's quite uneasy and uh, at times a little bit unwelcoming when you first walk in and all they're doing is staring at you and definitely like whispering about you and stuff yeah um so yeah, it, it was it was scary and it was it was difficult and awkward, but I was quite I was quite lucky to have my brother there from for most of my junior cricket to kind of. And how was he with that? Because that's like um, when my mum would come and pick me up from school, and I would say to her mum, "Park around the corner or something like that. Don't come and, don't come and pick me up right in front of the gate." So for your brother, that's quite a daunting experience as well. He's the only one, only boy going, and he's coming along with his sister. Um, which you know you might get you know what's your sister doing here mate you know what's that what's that all about so very you know shows shows his character that he he, he was so supportive of you yeah I've actually never asked him about that um but he's been one of the most supportive guys in my life honestly after my dad it's been him he's always been there he's always kind of encouraged me to keep playing cricket and whenever I have any down times during cricket whenever I feel like you know it's the worst sport on earth or whatever he's always kind of there to lift me back up um, and he's never like he he stopped playing cricket once he got to uni um, and he sometimes got a lot of little jabs here and there about how sometimes oh, like your sister's a wee bit better than you and something like that but he never took it to heart he, he's honestly been amazing he really has and he's always encouraged me and always motivated me so yeah it does really show his character he's been pretty amazing I mean I always talk about my dad in these kind of interviews how supportive he's been and everyone always asks me about him but no one's actually asked me about my brother and yeah he actually has been one of the more a really important person in my cricket career no, that's brilliant. That's really because, yeah, you, you you think in his mind at that time. I, I wanted to put myself in how maybe I would have been thinking, and I don't think I might have been as supportive because I would have been just a bit uncomfortable or feeling a bit insecure about what people are maybe saying about my sister, or or the fact that people might be talking and saying his sister's better than him. Mm. Uh, that that might have made me a bit insecure. But yeah, it, it shows how how loving and supportive he's been and. I think it's brilliant um, that, you know, it's amazing you've got your father and we'll go on and chat to chat about your father, but your brother obviously sounds like he deserves a lot of credit as well yeah. for supporting you. So you get there, initial reaction is a bit, okay, there's a girl here, you know, it's a bit weird. Yeah. When did you start finding your feet? When did you start feeling comfortable? Um, and when did the kind of, did you see the shift in the, the mindset of all the people you were playing with? Um... To be honest with you, I actually don't ever, I, I've never really felt completely comfortable in that sort of environment. Um, but before we go into that, I actually want to stress like Pollock was a great club. Um, the coaches were amazing. Uh, Keith Young, David James, all of them, they were my first coaches. They, you know, taught me the basics and stuff. And the majority of the players were amazing as well. Um, but, you know, there's sometimes when like four or five boys are, you know they have a certain mentality and they don't it did kind of taint my experience a little bit respect yeah. and stuff like that you they were probably making certain jokes not even maybe necessarily towards you but you were probably hearing things and hearing the boys chat and it's well that's a bit awkward yeah, they, would ne they would never say that in front of me or to my face or anything but you know there's been times when i've heard whispers behind my back and there's um 
there was this one time fairly recently actually well not recently now uh, I think I was about 18 19 mm -hmm. um, and it had got to a point where I kind of stopped going to Pollock because I did kind of feel a little bit uneasy over there mm -hmm. um, even though like most of the people were great and I love that club it's really special to me but um, as I said like just a few people kind of taint your experience a little bit yep. and yep. I decided at that time right there's training on tonight I'm just going to go I'm just going to do it um, so I ended up going and it started off pretty well um, people were talking to me and I felt so much more welcomed um, I think because people were a little bit older as well so yeah. you know that sort of childish mentality isn't there anymore um, and we were playing this game in the nets like if you're out you're out kind of thing yeah. um, so I bowled uh, and the guy hit it back at me and I caught the ball and I was you know he was out so he came yeah. out and he actually looked at me he was like good catch and it made me feel pretty good like oh mm -hmm. that's like he's actually values me as a player this is really nice um and then uh he when he was like deep adding and stuff he was talking to another boy who i've played cricket with my whole life yeah. uh, and they were just kind of like messing about with each other and making fun of each other and stuff and then in retaliation the other boy um who i played cricket with my whole life he um said i don't know if you know it's this thing called g language that goes about in glasgow um maybe it's maybe from before i'm, I'm a bit older than you remember so yeah, maybe, maybe it's from you i don't remember it from my era but continue yeah well there's this thing and he i think he just assumed that i wouldn't understand it but i do and um to retaliate he said or something like, oh, uh, uh, that's rich coming from you. You got out by a girl. Yeah. Um, and from then on, I, that just stuck with me. And it did actually really upset me at the time, even though, like, looking back at it now, I feel like, why did I let all of these things get to me so much? Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I know that I was a good cricketer and I didn't really need validation from them, but... Mm -hmm. Like in hindsight, I did compromise my cricket training because of a few, just a few boys who would think silly things like that. And I think it was the fact that it was coming from someone who I've played with my whole life as well. Yeah. Um, so that kind of value wasn't there. Like it felt like he didn't really value me as a cricketer. So from then on, I kind of didn't really go back. And it's kind of sad now. And I kick myself about it. Like, why, why did I let this happen? Like, it's not my fault. It's their fault. Like they should feel. Yeah, no, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not your fault. And I, I think that's a strong message that goes out there. I think the times are changing, um, and I, I certainly have seen more women around cricket clubs. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a strong message that needs to come out of that. That you know that kind of stuff needs to stop. It's a bit like racism, to be honest. It's a. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a form of uh, bullying. You know, discriminating against you because you're female, and it shouldn't happen. Um, mm -hmm just needs to suck it up and accept that he got cleaned up and you, you know you got caught and bowled and put, pull your sleeves up and off you go next time you come out to face up again you know maybe do a bit better obviously there's always going to be that camaraderie between males and females and you know males might think we're better we're better we're a bit we're a bit better there's yeah. nothing wrong with that you that's the confidence thing and it's your job to change the to to, to make them put them under pressure yeah. but it should never be at the extent of comments being then made towards you because of what your what your what your gender is that that mm -hmm. that's 
that, that, that that's not good to hear. Um, and I think the, I hope these barriers completely get knocked down because I, I would I wouldn't want another girl in, in your situation to be going to the club and and feeling like that. I I don't think necessarily it was um it was that they wanted to be bad to you. I think it's probably because they were just not understanding towards the fact that yeah. you're, you're a girl and you know this is weird and she's playing with us and you know we can't accept that she can do just as good as us. Um, but I think if we see more girls partaking in it and you were you turned up there and there was another five or six girls there, that might have been a totally different experience for you because you would have had, you know, you're, you would have been able to have that time away from the boys chat and be able to mix with the girls. So that's that's something we all hope to see. Um, yeah. And with role models like yourself, and, and then we'll get on to talking about some other role models as well. I think there's, there's these barriers can be knocked down. So when did you start getting to play with the girls then? Obviously, 11 years old, you mentioned you turned up at the club. Um, you obviously had a talent for the game. You're a off spinner? Uh, no, leg spin. Oh, my apologies. Yeah. <laughs> my apologies. Um, so your leg spinner, tough art to take on. My goodness. Uh, good on you for doing that. So when did you start getting recognised um, from a, in, in your youth and, and when did you start getting to mix with other girls? Um, I think it must have been... Uh, it was quite soon after I started at Pollock, actually. It was that winter, so I must have still been 11. Um, I started training with the Scotland under-17s uh, girls. At 11? Yeah, um, and then played my first game at 12 against Ireland under 17s, which was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Wow, what an achievement. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, and won my first game as well. And got I remember getting a wicket in that game. And it was, it, I, I will never forget that game. It was really fun. Um, so that was probably my first. So it was quite soon after Pollock, yeah. And then I used, and then I played some uh, cl women's club stuff. Uh, pretty much straight after as well, about 13 maybe. Where was that? So it started off at Glasgow Ackies. That was the only um, girls team in the West. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that kind of switched to Pollock for a little while. And then it's gone to West of Scotland now. Okay. Um, which is really good. Like the amount of, I don't know if you've seen the girls team there. It's really diverse. It's massive. It's a good- oh, group. I didn't know that. That's good. That's really good to hear. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's when it started. About thirteen was when I started playing like club cricket, like girls' club cricket. Mm -hmm. Okay, then, so another thing that's a, that's a big, it's a big, big part of this, a big part of this journey is you can see on screen right now you are rocking the hijab. Um, how's that been for you? You know, going coming that you must have you must have been one of few at that point. That would have been wearing a scar wearing hijab and coming from a Muslim background. How did you find the inclusivity? Um, and from the boys, you've already kind of mentioned, but with the girls, when you started getting around the girls, how's that journey been for you? Um, it's been pretty amazing, to be honest. I, I can't really fault it. Um, there hasn't been many hiccups or anything. Um, I started wearing the hijab when I was. I think I was 10 or 11 um, I started wearing it nice. after I came back from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia we went for Umrah which is okay. for people who don't know it's like this mini pilgrimage um, so at, straight after that my mum started wearing it and then I decided that I was just going to start as well um, 
and then from then on I never really looked back and then when I went into school uh, I think I was in primary seven um, it was quite daunting um, I remember walking in and people saying like what what is that and then there was like questions for the next like two or three days and after that like people just get used to it and then in terms of cricket um, I've never had any problems with it I've just been so used to it like I've I've been wearing it since I was 10 so it's been a while yeah um, so in terms of actually like playing cricket and stuff it's never never given me any problems um in terms of inclusivity, the girls have been amazing. Um, they're all of them are so keen to like ask questions and stuff and Good. be as knowledgeable about it as possible. Um, and yeah, that just makes me feel so happy whenever they ask me things like that. Um, because it's because they never assume or anything. They always want to know what the hijab is all about, what Islam is all about, why I wear it, and. It's just stuff like that. So honestly, I've not had any problems. It's been amazing. That's really refreshing to hear because I, I, I'm happy to say this. The guys, I don't think, were as open um, to learning about the different faiths. I never felt, um, and there's a, a lot of other Muslim boys that play for the Scotland, Scotland team as well, it'd be interesting to hear their thoughts, that there was never really questions, too many questions about it or wanting to learn more about it whereas it's very refreshing to hear that you know there was that keenness and you know I had a couple of girls on the on the podcast just a few days back that you know well we'll, we'll come on to talk about them the Bright sisters and they were very as soon as I mentioned you they were so open about it and so welcoming about it and, and you know talking about how, how much you've evolved as a person and how proud they are of you and I thought it was it was absolutely fantastic your father I hear his name branded around a lot, Mr. McSood. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, uh, you know, the girls were saying he he makes a mean nan bread. It's like <laughs> it's like it's like notorious. So this is what this is what really amazes me. I, we come from a, a background, and you know it as well. The boys are maybe if the dad's got a shop, forget this cricket. You're not going to the cricket ground. I've seen it firsthand with so many. I was blessed that my parents completely supported me to play. But a lot of my peers and you know other other friends and stuff didn't have that same support. So for me to see that a girl, a Pakistani girl, had that support, it, it amazes me. But tell me about your dad's your your dad's influence and your mother's influence on you as well. Yeah, he's the most important person when it comes to cricket in my life. Um, and I actually agree with you in terms of the fact that I think South Asian parents in general. Um, they're quite I don't think it's not that they don't want their daughters playing cricket or anything or playing sport it's more I think it's more the importance they don't have they don't see it as being an important thing um and that's the same with their sons as well I think it's I think it's the, the time basically keep your yeah exactly like you know you want to do well in school you want to do well in uni you want to be a doctor a lawyer engineer whatever um, and with with their sons, I think the difference between sons and daughters is that with their sons, they'll encourage it for a little while, um, and they'll um, they'll let them go and play cricket or football or whatever. But then when the time comes to crack down and do uni and stuff like that, they'll be like, right, okay, it's uni time, it's time to study. Like, yeah, that's what's important. Whereas with with females, it's more because sport is so male dominated. I don't think they expect 
their daughters to even like sports yeah. they expect it to come from them yeah. so they never really encourage it in the first place um, so I think the majority of South Asian parents right now like it's not that they don't they don't think women should be playing sport I think it's more they don't give it as much importance as there should be and I think that's where my dad was different because all I remember from day one um, is that he used to set me my brother both my brothers down um, and tell us equally that physical like doing something physical like in terms of sport any sport whatsoever is so important for physical health mental health and it's important whatever gender you are he used to tell us that equally um he he gave it so much importance that it that I kind of had to play sport um so yeah I think that's where that's where it differs that's where my dad was a little bit different to some other people I would say not to some other people I would say to a lot of people, a higher percentage of people, um, and I hope this gets out to those type of parents because I think you're right in your saying it's not that they they don't want to do it, they just don't feel it's important, yeah. um, especially with the daughters, you know, roti baka, uh, mm-hmm. learn how to make the food and study and that, that, that you see it too many, too, too often, girls just kind of wasted at home a little bit too much, I mean, they're not married or anything like that, so they don't have that they're free to be able to do other things with their life. Um, and I think somebody like you is a massive role model to, to, to households and your father as well is a massive role model because other dads seeing what you're doing might just start thinking, you know, yeah. and, and, and maybe in, it sounds like you said, I would have played sport no matter what, whether I liked it or not, because my dad encouraged it. Yeah. So it wasn't like you came home and had to have this battle with your father that I want to play sport. Yeah. And he, he was kind of pushing you down that route and, and look, what it, look what it's taken you. So strong message there to, to all uh, Pakistani parents and parents from any backgrounds that maybe think their daughters uh, can't, can't play sport. Here's, here's living proof that they most certainly can. Um, and big shout out to uncle. Uh, you know, very, it's, it's, it's really amazing. I take inspiration on my father myself. So I will, I will try to take some of that on board with my daughter um, and encourage her to take part, take part in sports. So you, you move, you, you 12 years old, you've already played and I didn't, didn't realize that that's, that's some achievement, but take me a little bit on a journey kind of through your teenage years then and, and what you took part in playing for Scotland and stuff. Uh, so after 12 uh, it was 14 when I uh, made my debut for the full Scotland team um yeah uh, I actually can't even remember who it was against it's really bad it it was it was like an English county okay um but I I do remember getting a wicket that game um and I remember my dad coming down to watch and my uncle coming down to watch so that was really fun um and then from there um I also did taekwondo for quite a while Um, yeah so I got a black belt in taekwondo which which was good yeah you're you're scaring me now so you're a talented cricketer and you're a lethal weapon so your dad has really really you know introduced you to you know both I mean that's something that's important to me I want my daughter for instance to learn some sort of self-defense yeah Um, he always say that he was like no matter if you're a guy or a girl, you need to know how to defend yourself in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. So that's why I kind of, I didn't, I didn't like taekwondo as much as I liked cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he did really encourage me to continue to do both things um, because Taekwondo, there's not really, you can't really transfer some of the skills in Taekwondo to cricket, obviously, but um, it was quite, it, made, it got me really fit and healthy. Um, so that really helped. Um, but yeah, on like, as I got older, I kind of stopped doing Taekwondo with cricket. When did you achieve your, what age were you when you achieved your black belt? Uh, 11, I think. Wow. Yeah. So what age were you doing Taekwondo from then? That must have been really um, started. I was pretty young. I think I was six. So from six till about 15. And then I kind of stopped it with when cricket started oh, getting... Your cricket, was getting, your cricket was getting a lot more serious at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and then when I was 15, um, I got selected to go down to Thailand for the World Cup qualifiers. That was like my big, my first big um, tournament. And we did pretty well. I think we came in fourth. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You did. The bright, yeah. That's, yeah, you did. You came in fourth. The Bright Sisters have said that as well. Yeah. And that was... Yeah, that was a big tournament for me that when I got the call that I got selected for that, that was insane. Um, and my dad came and surprised me there as well, which was really cute. Um, I didn't know he was coming. Um, and then from there, uh, the next big tournament was probably Sri Lanka um, in 2017. So I must have been, I think I was 17 at the time. Uh, and yeah, that was a, that was a fifty over fifty over World Cup qualifier, and um, we played against like Pakistan and South Africa. I think South Africa is the game that I remember the most. That was we actually held our own pretty well. Yeah, I heard that you got some, you got them in a bit, you got a couple of wickets with yeah. them, and you know you had to give them a little, a little bit of a scare. Yeah, so that was really good. I, I enjoyed Sri Lanka, and then I uh, just to take so so at such a young age, Abdah. Yeah. First time I went to like a really far away country was probably when I went to the 19 World Cup when I was 17, 17 plus. 15 years old going to Thailand. Totally, I've been to Thailand, but I mean, totally different culture, the heat, you know, everything. What was that? What was that like to take in? Is that, you were, you're just a, just a baby still. Yeah, it was quite daunting. Um, it was, I was quite scared. I had never really been away from home. Um, I was quite, I mean, I was 15 and I was really glad that my dad ended up showing up because it is quite scary being away for like two weeks away yeah. from home. Um, but yeah, I'm honestly, I'm just so grateful for the team as well. They've always kind of taken care of me. Um, you know, they're just a great bunch of girls. So it, you kind of feel at home straight away. Um, but yeah, that that experience of me going away to Thailand at like 15 and then at 17 going to Sri Lanka, that's really kind of um, helped me evolve into the person I am now. And now I feel so much better going away from home whenever I need to. Um, so it has made me more independent at a younger age, which I don't think I would be able to do if I didn't play cricket. So cricket's really taken me to amazing places and giving me so many amazing experiences. So I'm just so glad for it. What about things like, um, obviously you eat halal food. Yeah. It's always used to be a bit of an issue when we'd be on tour because, you know, guys would want to go to a certain restaurant and some of the boys would be saying, no, we want to eat halal food. And occasionally it got to the point that the three or four Asian boys would go away and eat somewhere else and the rest of the team would continue on with their eating. What, what was it like for you? Um, going away, how did how did you did they get did, 
with it was your team adjusting or how did you handle that my team as i said before about the inclusivity stuff they're so good with halal food and stuff like that they always want to make sure that i've got enough protein in me um, whenever we go out for team meals, they try and get a halal place um, okay. if they can find it. Um, also, uh, one of the one of my teammates, uh, Abby Aitken, who works for Cricket Scotland, she okay. always makes sure that, like in uh, like tour information and stuff, she makes sure that I've got halal next to my name and stuff. And that's brilliant. Yeah, she's she's she genuinely does make sure that. Um, I'm completely, I have enough food in me. Um, she's one of the people who does that. Uh, but yeah, everyone, everyone's just super supportive of that and they really try their best to get me some halal food whenever they can. That's, that's honestly, it's again, really refreshing. Shout out to the guys. I mean, maybe, I hope it's changed a little bit now, but it wasn't quite on that level. Um, we tried where we could. I mean, we got lucky it was halal places, but not to the extent that, you know that the girls have gone to and shout out to Abby Aitken there. That that's awesome of you. I think that's um, if you do it, if you if you manage to listen, that is. I think that's really really nice to hear, and it just comes out of you. You feel you sound like you're just so. When we talked about the boys at the start, you were I could see it in your face that you never really felt really welcomed there. Ultimately, you were never going to play for a guys team moving forward. You were going to join the girls, but what? From the moment you've talked about since you've been playing with the girls, it sounds like it's just been such a welcoming bunch. I see you, I've seen some images on Instagram and stuff. You go to social events and different things and weddings and stuff like that. Do you just feel really comfortable going to all these things? Yeah, definitely 100%. It's, I mean, as I said, they're an amazing bunch of girls. They're like my friends for life. I've, um, for example, the Bryce's, like, they're two of my closest friends and I wouldn't have ever, like, I'm just so glad that cricket has given me that opportunity to make such good friends. Um, so, yeah, I just feel completely comfortable whenever I'm with them. We're going to, let's talk about them. Um, by the time this comes out, that will, that will have come out. And I, I, was, I was really inspired speaking to them as well. They obviously spoke really highly of you, but how much of an influence did they have in your team? I mean, they're two really high-level cricketers. They're both playing south of the border. You know, they're, they're scoring runs for fun, taking wickets for fun. Sarah's a, good, a great yeah. wicketkeeper. How much influence have they had on you and the rest of the team? Um, so much influence. I mean, they're captain and vice-captain, so you would expect that. But me personally, um, I've played cricket with them since since under 17, so since I was like 11. And honestly, I I genuinely don't have words for how inspirational they are and how much they've um, kind of changed my life in terms of cricket as well. Um, I've learned so much from them. Uh, and honestly, it, I actually just get speechless whenever I talk about them because they are just two incredible people. and. It's, yes, they're amazing cricketers. We all know that. We've seen that. But they're amazing people as well. Um, and I've never met two nicer people in my life. And I'm so glad that I have them in my life. I'm glad that we have them in the team because, honestly, like they, you're right, they, they score runs for fun. They take wickets for fun. Um, they're just a great duo. They're, they really are. And Cricket Scotland's really lucky to have them right now. They're young as well still, so there's 
a lot of cricket left in them. Um, so hopefully they're only going to get better. Um, yeah. do, do you feel they make the rest of you just lift that standard a little bit more as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, every time they're at like a training session and stuff, I always want to have a ball to them and stuff because it's just such a challenge to ball to them and to bat against them. And they do really lift spirits. Um, and they've brought a lot of, um, you know, helpful words of wisdom and stuff from their time at Loughborough University and all the coaches that they've had. And they talk to us about it and, you know, they've just given us uh, all these different words of wisdom and yeah so they do they they're really helpful in the team in the team environment that's great it's brilliant to hear leg spin i mean played with a leg spinner for years uh Muneeb at Bal. have you ever done any work with Muneeb? no i've heard of him though i need to give him i need to get i need to have a word with him and, and tell him to come down and, and spend some time with you yeah. um I'll, I'll be saying that to him because obviously Muneeb played for durham um, I played a lot of cricket with him all the way through, but it's a really, really difficult skill to do. It's got to be the hardest skill in cricket to do because in a cold day, for instance, you know it's not off spin; it's a finger thing. But your wrist, it's it's, it's it takes it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Did that did that start in the back garden in the young age? Were you did you start just was it coming out the back of the hand? Yeah, I actually started off as a steamer for a little while, um, but when I used to play cricket in the garden with my dad there was this one time I just started like my wrist would just naturally go like that and yep. then he was just like you know what just stop with the seam and just become a leg spinner it'll be easier yeah, for you. and it actually was a wee bit easier for me because that's just how my wrist went it's just always been like that um and I'm glad that I did that because I do love leg spin and it's you're right. It's it's hard. Um, because if you get it wrong with leg spin, you because you're bowling, it's quite slow. Yeah. You go a long hop. You, yeah. you probably you probably. But leg spinners always get wickets with bad balls as well. Do you? Does that happen for you? All, all the time. All the time. It's great. Um, they call me the wicket thief in the team because everyone else has to graft for their wickets. They have to really try, and then yeah. I come on the other end and I bowl like a full toss, and they just chip it to That's the beauty it. of leg spinners though they, yeah. can get, they can get wickets with bad balls but obviously yeah. they can get, you, you your dream wickets i'm sure is when it pitches on leg turns away and yeah. takes a drop off stump but you with a long hop batsman will panic a little bit and maybe hit it straight to the field a full toss they're not quite yeah. got to it yet you, you get a wicket there so abdaha is the wicket thief um watch out for her on cricket fields around the world she will steal your wicket so be careful um yeah. How have you evolved then as a leg spinner and what kind of coaching and influence have you had on that side of things? Um, we haven't ever really had like a specialist spin coach. Um, mm -hmm. We've had um, sessions every now and then with people like Andy Tennant. Um, but I think I've only really had like maybe five or six sessions with him and like it's been pretty long a career and I've yeah. not really got the chance to have specialist training like that. Um, but yeah, we had uh, Stephen Knox as our uh, head coach for quite a long time. And he's the one of the coaches who's really helped me with my spin bowling. And he's he's actually a batter, so. Yeah, top order batsman. Yeah, good exactly. man. He's a good man, is Knoxie. Yeah, He's definitely. a funny man. Um, but yeah, continue, continue on. So he had a big influence on you then? Yeah, 100%. He's, um, 
I used to bowl pretty slowly, um, like really slowly, you, mm-hmm. you'll be amazed. But uh, I think about maybe two or three years ago, he just kind of, I don't know, just some of the things that he says, it just sticks with you. And then suddenly I just started to bowl quicker and had a little bit more about me. And yeah, he, he genuinely did change the way that I bowled in such a positive way. So he's genuinely had a massive impact and ma- massive influence on in me. So yeah, shout out to Stephen Knox. He's, he's been a pretty amazing coach. Yeah, that's good to hear. Knox, he's a, Knox, he's a good man. I play, play yeah. quite a lot of cricket with him as well. And he's a, He's a good team man, and I noticed he's been involved with it as a coach for the women's team for quite a while. So it's uh, it's brilliant to hear. But listen, I'll go back to that. Just on your doorstep in Glasgow, there's a very good leg spinner that lives in the in the city, and I will be having a word with him and and looking to obviously once restrictions are lifted that we can get back to a bit of normality. But I think it would be great for you to spend a couple hours with him yeah, um, and, and take some take take some advice from him because I mean he's played he's played a lot of cricket he's played internationally World Cup qualifiers etc. So he would be somebody that's really good for you to to spend some time with. You've recently been drafted into this hundred competition that's um, that's that's been announced, which is a big deal for the big deal for the women. You know, it's a really high profile tournament that's coming up. How did you find out about it and how did you get selected and stuff? Um, I mean, it's been a pretty surreal experience. Um, I found out um, not last year, the year before, so 2019. Uh, October 2019, I remember I was actually at uni and I got a text um, and it just said that Birmingham Phoenix would love to have you and... I couldn't reply to it straight away. I remember I was busy doing something and I was like, I really need to like reply to this text, but I'm in uni, I can't. So I had to wait for a couple hours. And then obviously I texted my dad and my brother and just the whole family straight away. And they were completely like, they were so shocked just as I was. Shocked and shocked and, and bursting with pride as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, my dad was really happy. Um, So was my brother. Uh, it was it was quite amazing and then obviously the 100 didn't happen last year so that was a shame but um, it's hopefully going to happen this year and I'm just super excited for it it's just going to be it's it's going to be different I think a little bit different but it's just cricket at the end of the day so I'm just going to keep preparing the way that I prepare and hopefully get to play with and against some amazing people so I'm really excited for that. How much do you know about the team, the, the squad and I'm assuming you haven't been able to spend any time with them yet, has there been any calls or Zoom calls or anything, have you, have you got to know any of them yet? No, not at all. I know Kirsty Gordon who's who used to play for Scotland a few mm. years ago, uh, she's also been a pretty influential person in my life as well. Um, so that will be good having a friendly face there, you know, just someone that I know. Uh, but other than that, I don't really know anyone else. We won't struggle for halal food in Birmingham. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, you 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 you'll have plenty of options to places yeah. to eat there. It's it's known for good food. So hopefully, uh, all going well, inshallah. You will be going to play in Birmingham this 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 this, this summer. How long is the tournament meant to take place for? Um. I think five weeks. I don't think it's been released or anything. I'm not really sure what the dates are, but it's all like up in the air still. So we'll see. And will you be playing against the certain bright sisters then? 
Yeah, I will be. So I think Bryce's playing for Trent and Sarah's playing for Oval Invincibles. All right, so there's going to be a bit of a bit of competition all around there. That's that, that's good. And that again, though, that'll make you probably just feel comfortable because in game days, I'd imagine afterwards you'll go for a bite to eat together or something. That'll just give you, just make you feel comfortable. So listen, all going well and that tournament goes ahead. Be wishing you all the very best. Be following closely. Um, and I hope you you take the tournament by storm. You're a leg spinner who's who's a who's a wicket thief. Keep that in your armory and use it to use it to your benefit. Something else I wanted to touch on is you you've, you've said mentioned there when you got your text message, you were in university and you couldn't respond at the time. What do you study? Uh, dentistry. All oh, right. Okay. So it's a all right. So you were and you were in uh, you were in seeing Mister uh, Mister uh, Umair. So that's yeah. a good contact for you to have as well, you yeah, know, maybe, you. maybe some work experience or something there down, down the line. Um, how do you juggle such what, what I'd imagine quite stressful studies and high-level sport? Um, it's pretty stressful, <laughs> not going to lie. Um, it's a lot easier right now with uh, coronavirus um, because we're not really seeing many patients or any patients at the moment. We were meant to start seeing patients at the start of this year, but we just we just can't and yeah. not we get fully vaccinated. Um, but before, like in first and second year, it, it was a tough challenge. Um, I think first year I handled it OK. And then second year, it kind of got a little bit too much where you know, I had to take a step back every few days and just be like, right, okay, I need some me time as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's how I kind of try to handle it is to make sure that I do set aside time for just me sitting down watching a movie or going for a walk or seeing my friends. I just feel like that's so important for mental health in general. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good message there. You know, that it's not healthy to be sitting up till four or five o'clock in the morning studying you've got to not that I ever did that um but it's 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 a, it's a balance isn't it it's a it's a it's a complete balance but having that downtime is good for your mental health and and, up, and getting some fresh air and going for a walk is really good so future goals performing in the in the hundred competition would be lovely um with Scotland are we expected to be seeing you then even if you become a, a dentist do you think there's still going to be the doors are still going to be open for you to still be playing for Scotland regularly? I would hope so. Yeah, that's that's the dream. I would. I feel like. I mean, I think I like cricket more than I like uni. I think that's for sure. Um, so I would love to like continue to play cricket, and hopefully uni doesn't get in the way. But it's. It is going to be tough, and I know that, and I think I have to accept that. Um, for I might need to maybe take a year out or something like that, but either way, hopefully, I, I don't think I want to ever give up. Cricket. Sounds like you'll find a way. Sounds yeah. like you're too passionate about your cricket that you will find a way. Because you see, lots of people once their careers take off, they leave the game. I've seen lots of really good players that have left the game, um, and you meet them down the line, and they'll say to you. Man, I miss it. I wish I'd. I wish I'd tried to keep it going somewhere or another. So, I think with you, you'll you'll find that you'll find a way, no matter what. Even if you do need to take a bit of a backward step to your career, kind of get settled in. Yeah. Um, my final question to you is what a really important question. 
probably the most important question I think I'll ask. And that is, what message do you give to a young girl sitting out there, but in particular, in particularly a young Muslim girl sitting out there and has dreams to do something, whether it be sport or whether it be their studies, what, what advice would you give them? Um, I would probably just say, don't ever give up on it. Um, there's going to be times whether you're, you know, so whether you're an Asian, you're a Muslim or not, like just girls in general sometimes take things to heart quite quickly. Um, and we sometimes feel like we can't keep doing what we want to do. So there's been times with cricket where I've just been like, this is the worst game ever. Why am I doing this? But I think that's, if you can get through that period of time, that just shows your character so well. So it would probably just don't give up and keep, if you need to keep nagging your parents to get you into a sports club, <laughs> um, that will really help. Um, and honestly, just, yeah, just don't give up on your dreams. Like it's, it's going to be hard, but you're going to get through it. Yeah, so there's going to have bumps in the road. It's not all plain sailing. I can imagine it's not all been plain sailing for you. Yeah. But you, you know, you need to need to show resilience, and you'll get there in the end. Um, message to the parents out there, similar because obviously they, you've been blessed that your parents have supported you. But I think we need to get the point across to to Muslim parents out there in particular, and 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 we're only targeting a, bit, a little bit on Muslim parents here in Pakistan. Maybe Pakistan is more. Because it's kind of girls don't really play sport. I mean, doesn't really. It's just it's just kind of the way it is. But it's not true. It's not true at all. Yeah. Do we have other girls now playing? Other other Muslim girls playing the team as well. I heard a name, a girl called Ikra. Yeah, Ikra's playing. Um, and there's quite a few girls in the West of Scotland Cricket Club. Um, mm. there, there's quite a few. There's a few with, who wear a headscarf and stuff. It's great, and their mums come along and play as well. So yeah, there was a family I met at East Kilbride actually when yeah. I was there. The mum and daughter. The daughter is it Neymar? Neymar, yeah, she's yeah, she's she's really good as well. I seen she she had a lot of ability, and her mum gets the sleeves rolled up, and she yeah. she's part as well. That, yeah, she used to play in Pakistan quite a lot. She said, um, she used to play a fairly high level in Pakistan, so that's pretty good. I think and the dad. But he, he, he actually started bowling a bit of leg spin in the nets. He had a bit about him as well. Families like that are just great great to see. You come from a you come from a similar family. So maybe we need to try and run an event or something sometime, mm -hmm. you know, for, for you know, a, a Muslim sporting event or something because there's probably so much talent out there. It's probably so, because it, let's be honest, it's a sport that comes quite naturally to a lot of people from the subcontinent because it's kind of in the blood. Um, and and the, I was saying that to the Bryce sisters, and they were saying, you know, we would welcome more girls from the because they've got, we, they, we know they, they 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 know the sport, their their dads all know the sport or whatever else. So let's think of something after this. Let's get some light bulbs going and try and try and make something happen. Because I I just want to finish up by saying it's been a, it's been a real privilege to talk to you. Um, I've been following you closely, and I think you're a great great advert for. For young Muslim girls in particular and girls in general, you know, we're not just highlighting what background you come from, but it's important that we encourage more of our um, young Muslim brothers and sisters as well as parents to encourage their children more, even if they don't like sport, kick them out the door and get them to play sport because that's what Abdul has dad done. You know, it's important for your mental health, it's important for your health and well-being. 
So it's been uh, it's been brilliant. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, yeah. If you've got any final things you wish to say, feel free. Um, just thank you for having me. It's been great. Um, it was really fun. It was nice and chilled out conversation we had and it's been we've said quite a few really important things as well I do want to highlight though um we have been talking about like Muslim girls in general but I I, I do want to stress that it's not like a Muslim problem uh, with girls not really playing cricket or football or sports sorry um it is mainly like a cultural South Asian problem yeah uh, which is something that I should have said before but I just forgot but um, yeah, it's not a religious thing. It's yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. It's just that part of the world. The, the, the girls tend to not really partake as much in sport. But it's great to see even in Pakistan now, and you've got Pakistan cricket team, you've got an Indian cricket team, you've got a Sri Lankan cricket team. And it's the, the, the things that in there I've noticed with the PCB, for instance, they're showing a lot more women's cricket, you know, on their YouTube channel and stuff. Yeah. So more girls are going to now say to their parents, I want to give that a crack. And there's yeah. no reason why the parents will say, no, go for it. If, if, if there's something there. There's... But I think maybe 20, 30 years ago, it would have been, well, why do you want to? There's not really any opportunities for you to go and to go and do. Whereas now you can get the chance to play in the 100 Cup, go to Thailand, go to Sri Lanka, play against big countries. So the opportunities are there. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Same here. Thank you.